Welcome to another episode of the Mental Health Break. Hi, I'm Dr. Nafisa Sikandri, a licensed clinical psychologist specializing in anxiety-based disorders. I created the Mental Health Break podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies to help you prioritize your mental health. Mental illness can cost you time and money. Ignoring your symptoms will only make the problems worse. Taking time out of your busy day to dedicate to improving your mental health can lead to long-term health and wellness. In this podcast, each week you'll learn tips, tricks, and proven strategies to help you regain control of your life, all while prioritizing your mental health. If you want to improve your life, regain control of your mental health, and feel empowered, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Today's episode is brought to you by the Transforming Anxiety Course, an online self-paced anxiety course to help you manage and control your anxiety from the comfort, privacy, and convenience of your own home. Learn how to transform your anxiety in just six short weeks. Course registration is now open. To learn more, visit transforminganxiety.com course. Today, I'm joined by Anna Karchi, who will be talking to us about the importance of sleep and mental health. Let me introduce her before I bring her on. Anna Karchi is a board-certified acute care nurse practitioner and founder of The Healing Ring. Dr. Anna received her master's degree in certification as an acute care nurse practitioner and clinical nurse specialist from the University of California, Los Angeles. She received her clinical doctorate from California State University, Los Angeles, and continued her education to receive her certification in integrative medicine from George Washington University. Dr. Anna has been practicing as a pulmonary critical care specialist in both the hospital and clinical setting. After years spent working in this high-intensity area of medicine, Dr. Anna began having feelings of stress and anxiety. These symptoms moved over into her personal life and began affecting her health. She noticed excessive worrying, difficulty sleeping, headaches, irritability, fatigue, brain fog, gastrointestinal symptoms, restlessness, fluctuations of overeating and not eating enough, followed by poor food choices and weight gain. Most notably, she no longer found pleasure in her life. This is when Dr. Anna knew she needed to reduce stress and anxiety in her life. She found refuge in integrative medicine. She began healing herself through meditating, yoga, cognitive behavioral therapies, and included natural supplements. Through this journey to wellness, she realized how she could help others suffering with stress and anxiety. As a result, Dr. Anna is dedicated to helping others manage stress and the diseases caused by stress. So hi, Dr. Anna. Thank you for joining me on this Mental Health Break podcast. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, I just shared a little bit about your background and your journey back to health and wellness. Can you tell us a little bit about um, your own struggles with anxiety and then what finally made you take action? Uh, Sure. So I'm actually a licensed and board certified acute care nurse practitioner and also an integrative medicine practitioner. I have been trained in hospital and chronic disease medicine, and I spent over 10 years in the hospital setting, critical care medicine. And I often found that there are certain people that are more prone to disease and certain people who are like, I just questioned why are certain people uh, uh, getting sicker and others are not. When I started looking into alternative medicine, I found um, integrative medicine, which is a combination of um, conventional and non-conventional medicine. And it looked at uh, that often disease is um, originated from things that are uh, non-disease related. So for instance, um, 
chronic stress, uh, poor eating habits, uh, addictions, uh, poor sleep patterns, all of those which could contribute to chronic disease. So that's kind of how I ended up with uh, integrative medicine and trying to help promote uh, a healthy uh, body. Uh that's a really good story. And I, and I think a lot of people that are in the mental uh, and the, just the health field in general uh, have a story that led them there, right? But today we're going to be talking about the importance of sleep on, on mental health and wellness, as well as our physical health. I know so many people are sleep deprived and a lot of my patients actually brag about how they can fall asleep anywhere, but that's nothing to brag about, right? I mean, it's a sign of sleep deprivation. So can you talk a little bit about how the impact of sleep on mental health and well-being, as well as physical health, and and why it's important for us to uh, rush to bed and get all those benefits. I deal with a lot of busy professionals, and including myself. Uh, the very many years ago, uh, my younger years, I just felt like I was constantly on the go, and that was a good thing. That uh, I didn't need a lot of sleep; I just needed to keep on going, and. Uh, that sleep was a luxury. In fact, that's what a lot of my professional um, patients say that sleep is a luxury. Uh, not quite. <laughs> we're constantly on the go. Our minds are running all day, and then we we're kind of like a, a gerbil on the wheel, is what I what I uh, usually say. Uh, and then finally, when we lay our head down, we demand that our bodies go to sleep. Now. That is difficult to do when all you've been doing is running all day. So a lot of people turn to what I call uppers and downers. So uppers would be caffeine, which is very, very common. Um, and downers, uh, I would say, would be uh, alcohol or prescription drugs to try to uh, go to sleep. However, all of those have consequences and bad side effects um, and can lead to a lot of other uh, pronounced problems. Uh, so, for example... Caffeine can cause heart palpitations, it can increase our anxiety levels, and if you have that extra cup of coffee in the afternoon, it often leads to trouble falling asleep. Alcohol and prescription drugs also can interrupt the, like, the restorative process of that sleep, and uh, as you know, alcohol can also have adverse effects as well. Definitely. There are so many things that can interfere with our sleep. Like you said, if we're dealing with stress or anxiety, we're carrying all that around. And the minute we lay our head down and we're, our body's relaxing, all of that floods in, right? It all comes right at us. And uh, and then we're wondering why we're not sleeping. And a lot of people are taking sleep aids and are some of them are probably dependent on the sleep medications. Uh, what are your thoughts about uh, melatonin? Because I'm hearing a lot of people taking melatonin as well, not realizing that it can actually interfere with their own production of melatonin. Can you speak a little bit about melatonin production and then whether they should take supplements or, or not uh, with melatonin? So melatonin is actually a hormone. And there have been many studies on that hormone that show that it's a uh, it is important in with regards to how we sleep and, and our restfulness. And as we get older, women especially, we tend to lose some of that hormone. This is why usually women, um, it works better in women than it does in men. In any event, things like uh, alcohol can definitely disrupt the melatonin process and uh, can disrupt our sleep. But melatonin in general, is, is a pretty good uh, non-pharmaceutical medication to use to sleep. However, if you're one that tends to think a lot at night and that's what keeps you up at night, melatonin may not be the, the best choice for you. 
There's also the side effects of just a, a increased anxiety for some people, right? And then also it should be taken short term from what I understand about melatonin. Is that correct? Correct. Uh, yes, definitely can increase um, anxiety in certain people, especially if you have, if you are one to have uh, increased anxiety levels. I usually tell patients to try it for a few weeks, and if it, you find that a couple of weeks, and if you find that your anxiety level is worsening, then to stop it. In addition, yes, you should not take it for more than three months is the maximum. And I've, I had taken uh, melatonin one time to reset jet lag, and I had severe, um, just really bad nightmares and really vivid dreams. So that's something that I think people should uh, be aware of uh, in case they end up having the same issue, because I've heard that that's common with melatonin. Correct. It actually brings you into the uh, REM sleep uh, a lot quicker, and that's where your vivid dreams uh, come into effect. So yes, that can definitely happen. Uh, can you talk about sleep apnea? Because that's becoming a major problem for people right now. And And how does sleep apnea impact mental health? I know there is a connection. I just don't know too much about sleep apnea and the effects that it could have on our mental health. Yes. So with sleep apnea, I actually deal a lot with sleep apnea patients. Uh, they also do pulmonary. But in sleep apnea, you're you're constantly waking up in the middle of the night trying to gasp for air or you're, you're snoring and then the snoring wakes you up. Um, you're not getting adequate oxygenation to the brain. So without adequate oxygenation to the brain, you don't have the, the what we call synapsis. You don't have the, the, the communication between um, the brain and, and your, your body to uh, restore. So without adequate sleep, number one, and without adequate, uh, adequate oxygenation to the brain, you don't uh, fully um, restore the, the nerves in the brain and you don't restore the other organs in the body. So it can definitely have some consequences. And then with the lack of oxygenation in your brain, uh, that can affect your cognition and how and your overall mood, correct? Yeah, you end up with people often feel very tired, um, unrested, they feel uh, fatigued, um, they often fall asleep in the middle of the day, feel like they have to have a nap. Uh, in addition, they have like, inability to concentrate and fogginess is what I hear. Yeah, that brain fog is really difficult to overcome when you haven't had a good night's sleep. And I know I feel the same way if I haven't had a good night's sleep or if I go to bed too late. Mm -hmm. uh, it affects my mood the next day. I'm more reactive. Maybe I might have more anxiety. I might not be as uh, calm and well-adjusted as I normally could be. And so um, sleep definitely makes a difference. Can you speak a little bit uh, what happens to our to our brain at night when it's sleeping? Because when, the more I learn about sleep, the more I wonder why people aren't rushing to bed and taking advantage of these amazing benefits. Can you speak a little bit to that? Sure. As you mentioned, without adequate sleep, we become irritable um, and we're more, more prone to illness and pain. If we have pain, it's even exacerbated without adequate sleep. And then over time, we end up with things like heart disease, diabetes, um, mood swings, weight gain is another one, poor sex drive, uh, and a lot of hormonal imbalances, and even uh, more prone to cancers. So, and overall, our body is just inflamed. Um, so the stages that we need to restore to, to make sure that these things don't happen, uh, we need to go through all the phases of sleep. So there's, uh, there's three phases of non-REM and then a phase of uh, REM sleep. 
So the first phase is like usually we're just we're just beginning to to relax. And usually it's about maybe five to ten minutes during this phase, but we're still easily arousable. We can still wake up quite easily. We um, and then then the next phase would be like the uh, the light sleep where our body temperature drops. Um, we are getting more relaxed. Uh, this can be about uh, twenty minutes or so. And then we go on to the deeper sleep, which is important for restorative care. Uh, this is where uh, we feel more, um, this is what we need in order to feel more rested in the morning. So our during this phase, our body is uh, rebuilding and restoring, repairing all our cells, uh, tissues to all of our organs. And so it's very, very important. And then uh, we do have our REM sleep, which is where what we, REM means a rapid eye movement. And that occurs usually about 90 minutes into our sleep. And that's that's like the the where our brains are most active. We are um, we are are we're having uh, dreams during this time. Uh, this is where it's where our brain is is trying to uh, restore memories and it's learning and uh, adjusting. Um, this is where our, our memories are retained during this phase. Yeah, it's like editing phase of our of our day, right? We are videotaping our whole day throughout the day. And then at night during the REM stage, we're consolidating those memories. We're editing what we don't need. We're taking the memories that we are keeping into long-term memory banks. So it's just so much that happens. It's incredible. And like you said, when our brain is so active in the middle of the night, it's taking up as much energy as if we're awake. Um, so we do need to get that uh, that stage of REM sleep, but we also need that deep sleep. I've been keeping track of my sleep with uh, sleep devices. Are you familiar with sleep devices? And what do you say about uh, people tracking their sleep and learning more about how to improve their sleep with with devices like uh, tracking sleep? Yeah, so there's a lot of new devices out. Uh, I I have a Fitbit, and there's uh, there's I know there's other ones out there, but the Fitbit is the one I've been using for uh, to monitor my sleep, and it actually is helpful. It is it's shown for me. It's it's kind of helped me determine where I'm lacking. Like on certain days, if I am say I have a, a glass of wine, and I see the difference, I definitely see the difference in my sleep when compared to the days that I don't. And you didn't mention the the wine and the alcohol that some people use alcohol to fall asleep. And a lot of people are, I can't sleep without the alcohol. But once you track your sleep, you notice that you're kind of suspended in the light level of sleep. You're not going into that deep sleep that you need. Um, so can you talk about the impact of alcohol and when is it okay to drink alcohol so that it's not impacting your sleep? Sure. So alcohol is disrupts your ability to get like into that deep sleep, that restful sleep. Uh, you will bypass the first couple of phases and go straight into your deep sleep. But then you're then after the alcohol is metabolized, then you end up fully awake and uh, obviously unrested in the morning. So um, my suggestion would be if you're going to have, um, you know, your your cocktail, your glass of wine to do it earlier than later. So, you know, maybe right after work, you know, feel like you need to unwind and have a glass of wine if that's what you need to do, then then do it earlier than later so that your body has time to metabolize before going to bed. Yeah, that makes a difference because a lot of people are drinking it not in the earlier, but maybe right before bed or um, nine, 10 o'clock after dinner. So it's important, like you said, to have that wine if you're going to have it or the alcohol before earlier than later. 
Um, also, have you heard of mouth taping and uh, and the benefits of mouth taping and helping you uh, get a good night's sleep? Um, you know, I have heard some pros and cons with regards to that. Um, my only concern would be those uh, patients who do have underlying sleep apnea issues or are drinking uh, later in the evening and could uh, cause worsening uh, sedation and difficulty breathing in general with poor oxygenation. So I, I, I don't, uh, I don't advocate for that. Okay. Um, I've tried it. I've seen the benefits of it. And I know that, uh, it creates a lot of panic when you're putting tape on your mouth. So uh, I would say if you're going to try it, do it with the help of a doctor and then also, um, with caution because, uh, initially it can be very intimidating, uh, but although there are benefits to it for people that might have a hard time, because normally we're we're mouth breathers throughout the day. And then when we're sleeping at night, we're also sleeping with our mouth. And so it's not with our mouth open and it's not our brains aren't getting the level of oxygen that it needs. And that's what CPAP machines do. Right. Mm-hmm. To kind of help us get that oxygen in our brain. Are, are there ways that people can uh, improve their sleep through diet and nutrition? Do you uh, actually help people with that? Yes, I do. Actually, that's a truly love to do is give people alternative things to do that are not for you know prescription based chamomile tea, like things, the rituals are are very important. So in the evenings, maybe some chamomile tea, some more milk. I heard banana smoothies are really good uh, before bed, um, because of all the, the ingredients that they have in them. But also, it's, it's very important to set a regular schedule, for instance, um, whatever time you go to bed, Make sure that it's the same time every night and the time you wake up, make sure it's the same time every morning, uh, even on your days off. So it's the other thing that's uh, extremely important. And and actually the time span that I recommend is between 9, which has been shown 9 p.m. to 8 a.m., somewhere in there to get your eight hours of sleep. So what's recommended right now, uh, it depends on the, on the age, but usually about seven to eight hours of sleep a night. Uh, is recommended uh, for adults, um, nine at the most. So a couple of things you could do. Um, first of all, make your bedroom more of a, uh, a space of, that's comfortable. Dim, t- take the lights off, close the shades, make it dark, decrease the noise in the room. Um, sometimes uh, white noise, some people like that, which is fine. Um, but eliminate noise if possible, shut off your electronic devices, turn off your phone. Very important, don't uh, engage in any sort of bright light or, you know, how we are on our phones uh, right before going to bed or in bed, which is a bad idea. That bright light is actually disrupting your sleep early and as soon as you go to sleep. And it keeps your brain racing, Uh, doesn't allow it to prepare for bed. So recommendation is no watching TV um, eating in, in your bedroom. Um, the bedroom should be simply for sleep insects. It and should be a safe uh, have a haven that you can go, a peaceful place that you can go to, right? Exactly. So make your, you know, prepare your bed. Actually, I think it's important that you prepare your bed for sleep. Your brain is like preparing itself. I think if you come up with a ritual uh, within an hour before going to bed, your body has time then to adjust like this is okay. Th- now it's time to sleep. This is what my body's, body's going to do right now. Definitely. That's so important because uh, the rituals make a difference. But a lot of people are, as long as I'm getting eight hours of sleep, it doesn't matter what time I'm going to bed. But it's so important to go to bed earlier and take advantage of that deep sleep because that only happens between 10 and two in the morning. I mean, I've been tracking my sleep 
very rarely do I get deep sleep after 2 p uh, 2 a.m. Mm -hmm. Can you speak a little bit about that? Because there are people that are, well, as long as I'm going getting the eight hours, I can go to bed at four in the morning and then get up at two in the afternoon or whatever. But um, that's not how it works, right? No. Uh, there's a lot of research that's been done since the beginning of time. Our bodies are wired to be more active. Our brains are more active at certain times uh, of the day. And our brains are, are programmed to shut down at a certain time of the day. And this means that that's why these hours of 9 p.m. to 8 a.m. has been uh, the, this, the standard because all the research has shown that this is when we are wired to do so. Usually around uh, 4 a.m., our, our brains are already starting to uh, wake up. And, you know, by, by 6 o'clock, we're, we're, we're programmed to be fully awake. So if we go to bed later, we're never we're never going to get into that deep sleep, that restorative sleep. Yeah, and then you miss out on the reparative and regenerative effects of that on your body and on your brain. Um, so knowing what you know now, with all the work that you do with sleep and with just the, the the impact that it has on our physical and mental health, as well as your own journey, what would you say to your younger self going back uh, about what you know now? Oh, wow. I, you know, it's interesting because even as uh, teenagers require more sleep um, than the adult or the older adult. And I remember when I was a teenager, uh, even in my uh, early 20s, you know, you're, you're constantly, you know, during college, it's just you want to be on the go, you want to do more, and you want to go out with friends and do things. And you don't get that restorative sleep, you don't, your body takes a toll. And over time, um, as with anything, uh, chronic, you know, sleep deprivation will take a toll out on and create some issues in your body. And I think that's actually what created my anxiety as I got older. Uh, so if I were to go back, I would definitely, I would maintain my sleep pattern and make sure that I kept it as much as possible uh, and to reduce that anxiety level that I, I got as I was older. I think I would have done the same as a teenager and young adult, because especially when you're college, a lot of students uh, study, cram for exams and study all night long. And then they think they can take the exam the next day and their brain's going to function at the same level. Right. Mm -hmm. I was actually very proud of this one student I met. Uh, he's a dental student and he's like, no, my sleep is very important to me. I go to bed at 10 and I wake up early and I study for my exams. And it's like, that's how it should be, because your brain is much more uh, productive when you get that good night's rest. Right. Exactly. So thank you for joining me and having this conversation with me about sleep. It is so important to, uh, I think, for us to focus and prioritize our sleep because of all the benefits it has. I know that there are people in the past that, like you said, they think uh, that sleep is a luxury. And I think it was Thomas Edison that said that we will eventually give up sleep because it's something we're not going to need with the mention of light and electricity, but we definitely still need to sleep and we need to keep having this conversation. So thank you for being here. How can people find you? Um, uh, are you on social media? Do you have a website that people can go to? Yes, thanks for asking. Yes, I do. Have, I am on social media. I do have a website. Um, my website is called thehealingringla.com. Uh, thehealingring, H-E-A-L-I-N-G-R-I-N-G-L-A.com. Well, thank you. I, I will make sure to include all that in the show notes. So again, thank you for taking the time and being here and joining me and having this conversation. Great. Thank you for having me. If you haven't already, you can show support for the Mental Health Break podcast by subscribing wherever you're tuning in from today. 
We have some great interviews lined up and you don't want to miss a single episode. Subscribe today so you get notified when new episodes drop. I can't wait to see you here next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now.